Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Tell you guys, uh, I suppose, a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Ruth. As, as mentioned, I am fortunate enough to be the young adults pastor here. Um, I work four days a week as a paediatric occupational therapist. So I work with kids um, with disabilities, a lot of kids with autism, um, a lot of kids with defiance disorders and gross motor things and all sorts of things like that. Um, but one thing that I really love to do is be here, <laughs> um, be around Activate um, and love God and preach his word. Um, another thing about me is I really don't like long distance running. Um, you know those people that love to run and that they're really good at, at running, at long distance running? Well, I wish that I could say that I was one of those people, but I am absolutely not. See, I love sport. Um, throughout school, I was always in many teams. I looked forward to their, um, like the house athletics days, um, the swimming days, when half the year level happened to be sick. Um, and I went to a girls' school, so at least the half, half the year level was were uh, supposedly sick. Um, I was the one that was filling in about five or six events, um, getting in whatever I could. I remember one time I did backstroke, got to the end of the pool, ran to the other side, got in and did the race again because there was nobody to go in it. So I loved sport. But when it came to cross country, I hated it. Now I felt the pressure to run and not to walk, but like the start was kind of easy because you were fresh and the end was... You were in pain, but it was okay because there was a goal. You could see the goal. You were motivated to keep running, right? But it's the middle part that was always so difficult. It was the middle part where you actually had to have that mind game of endurance that was always so difficult. Well, I tell you what, as runners run in a race, we as Christians are called to run the race of faith. And we're going to um, read from Hebrews today. And just to give you a little bit of a context about Hebrews, um, so this letter was written to uh, Jewish Christians at the time, and at that time they'd been having um, quite a few trials. So they were being persecuted for their faith, they were being ridiculed for their faith, and to be honest, times were tough. It was hard to be a Christian at that time. And so we're going to pick up in Hebrews 12, um, verses 1 to 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for the good God that you are. Lord, we can't speak enough of your goodness and we can't praise you enough for how much you love us and what you have done for us, Father. Today, we open our hearts to you. We pray that you reveal something new to us in this place. We thank you that we can be here together under your name and we lift your name high this morning. We give this morning to you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. You know, it's no surprise probably to anybody here that times can get tough. It's no surprise that life can throw some curveballs your way. And I, I feel like I need to acknowledge that I understand that I am young and that there are people in this room that have gone through things that I couldn't even dream of. 
that, you know, it's true. We don't know what the person to the left or the right of us have really been through. It's no surprise that times get tough. But I don't know about you, I've noticed that even though we know that times get tough, it seems that it never prepares us for them, right? No matter if we know that at some point things, something might happen, it never actually seems to prepare us for that moment. You know, I don't think that in this race that we intentionally stop. I don't think it's like, okay, December 15th, 2018, I'm going to step myself out of the race, got to run until then, but on that date, I'm out. It's not, we don't intentionally sit down and stop in the race. But I think sometimes it's not until we realize, it's not until we feel like we're not moving forward anymore that we realize we've been tripped up somewhere along the way. You know, I, um, a couple of years ago, there was a TV show called The Lying Game. And I'm not sure if many people here have watched it, but pretty much it's about two identical twins and um, they get swapped at birth, so they go into different families. And one uh, goes into a really rich family, one goes into the foster care system. When they get older, they get in contact with each other, they swap lives, and then, as you do, um, and then all sorts of drama and murder mysteries and all these sorts of things come up. Um, but it is a, it's a great story. It really gets you hooked. So great, in fact, I sat there for two days straight watching everything that there was to watch of this show and never have I done that before or since but it was something about this show the story and the questions had me hooked well one day I was sitting down watching one of the episodes and it finished and then tried to find the next episode and I realized I couldn't find it so I go onto Google and couldn't find the answers go onto YouTube and I found out that the next show, that ne- the, next, the next episode didn't exist because they had discontinued the show halfway through the season. <laughs> they hadn't tied up any loose ends, they hadn't answered any questions, nothing. It was a story with such great potential and such, so many questions left to be answered. It got me thinking, I don't want my life to end with so many questions left to be answered. I don't want my life to end knowing that there was so much potential, knowing there was this story to be told on God's behalf and there were so many questions left yet to be answered. You see, the thing that I love about this passage is it almost provides us with instructions of how to run this race. Firstly, it tells us what to avoid. And if we can head to the next slide, it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, I actually grabbed this from the New Living Translation because I love the way that it puts it. I love the way it says, strip off every weight that slows you down. I don't know if anyone here has ever seen an advertisement for The Biggest Loser, where nine times out of ten, I swear, they're running up the hill, and what have they got in their hands as they're running? Weights. Because weights make it harder to run, right? God hasn't signed you up for some version of the spiritual biggest loser. He's not saying, carry these weights and run, go, go, go. In fact, the, the word weight in the scripture actually refers to, um, it, it refers to physically a weight, but also that burdensome feeling that we feel. You see, there's all sorts of things that can weigh you down. Maybe for you, it's a lack of time. Maybe it's feelings of uncertainty or anxiety. Maybe it's unmet expectations or bitterness or finances or guilt or fear of failure or insecurity. There are so many things that can weigh us down, right? But 
It's easy to let your circumstances weigh you down, but somehow I don't think that's what God's called us to. We need to reject the lie that our circumstances actually define us. Your circumstances may look grim, they may feel weighty, but can I remind you that your circumstances as a Christian actually rest in God and it rests in what he has done for you. You see, the enemy wants you to believe that you don't have the victory. The enemy actually wants you to believe that you can't win this race. So he will try and weigh you down with everything that he can. But our God has actually provided us with an answer for that. We're going to have a look at a few scriptures. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Next one. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And the next one. Isaiah forty-one, thirteen. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. We have a God who exchanges the weight that we carry for rest for our souls. We have a God that carries that weight for us. And whilst it's easy to let our circumstances weigh us down, we actually have a God who solved that problem for us. We have a God that is victorious. I love in the scripture that we read that it actually, in the NLT version specifically, it says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You see, Cam mentioned it before about sin and that weight. I was actually, I had the privilege of um, being able to speak in kids' church last week and um, I was trying to explain salvation to the kids and I was talking about sin and I was like, you know when you steal a cookie from the cookie jar and all the kids go, hmm. <laughs> so they know, I can tell you now, parents, your kids know that feeling when they've done something wrong. They admitted it to me last week. But you know that weight when you know that you've done something wrong you see, your sin is something apart from God, so it separates you from him. So it's no wonder that we don't quite feel right when, some, when, we've, when we've sinned against him. The only thing is when we sin, it's like we're tripping ourselves up in the race. We need to be so careful to keep an eye on what we are doing and what's coming against us. But God in his grace has given us a way back up to get up and to keep on running in the race that he's set before you. So it's probably worth asking yourself the question, what is weighing you down? Is there something that you're carrying that you don't need to be carrying? You know, it might come to you straight away or maybe it's worth asking God some, you know, in your private time, maybe throughout the week. But reality is we will have weight and sin, but our reality as a Christian is that God has taken that for us. So firstly, it tells us what to avoid and then it tells us how to run. We can go, it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It tells us to run with endurance. As I said, I don't love long distance running, um, but I do know that it's good for me. So once every maybe three months-ish, this weird thing happens where I get this urge to go for a run. Now, this happened around about two months ago, so I'm due for a run in about a month. Um, but this, this happened about two months ago, and there are some things that I started to think about with this idea of running. You see, note that it says to run and not to walk, right? I don't know if anyone here has noticed, but when we run, we actually go further 
faster. Right? So if someone's running for a train, there's a reason. It's because they need to get further faster. They need to get there quicker. They need to get... We're learning a lot about time and distance today. So if you're going faster, you'll get the distance faster, right? That's why we all love the highway, going 100. It's much better than going 50. Roadworks, not so great. So many roadworks at the moment. Um, But in saying that, um, we go further faster. You know, if we approach God and this race that God set before us with an attitude that's happy just to walk along each day and just go around and go over here and, oh, let's see what's over here. And we're not going to get very far, yeah? As opposed to if we're running towards him, approaching him with everything we have, with all of our heart as we've been called to do. If we can run after him, run and not walk, we will, I, I believe that we will see the call that he has put on your life come to pass so much, um, so much more, in so much more of its fullness than if we were to walk and delay what he has for you. The other thing that uh, came to mind about running was running, professional runners, they didn't wait until they were professionals before they started running. You see, with God, we don't have to wait until we're a professional Christian, whatever that might mean, um, before we start running. You see, the more that you run, the fitter you become, right? The more that we run in that race with God, the more that we step into what he has for us, the more, the, the fitter we become in the call. I um, looked up the definition of fitter to see if it would give us some more insight. And the definition that came back was the quality of being suitable to fulfill a particular role or task. You see, I love that because it fits in so well. As we run in our call with God, as we step into what he has, as we chase after him, as we learn more about him, the more equipped we become and the more suitable we become for the role and the task that he has put before us. He makes us fitter as we step into what he has for us. The other thing that runners do is they learn how to breathe properly and more efficiently. They learn how to stride. You know, the best, the best way, the most effective way to run the race. As we, as we, as we go along our life, there is so much to be learnt from praying and reading his word and seeking God and getting to know God. There is so much to be learnt in that that helps us to run more efficiently. We don't need to wait until we're professionals before we start, but we just need to commit ourselves to the learning along the way. Yeah? The other thing that um, people might be very familiar with if they've done any form of exercise in their life uh, is the pain after exercising. You know, when we put our muscles in, um, uh, when we stretch them to a place where they haven't really stretched before, um, or if we are using, you know, we're doing something more intense than they're used to, or whatever it might be, what happens is, and I actually remember Ben explaining this a little while ago, is there's little microfiber, te- microfiber, yeah, that'll do. Tears. There's little tears in the muscle that happen. And it's a long time since I've done anatomy. Um, and they, the tears happen. And as your muscle repairs itself, it becomes stronger and it becomes bigger than it was before. You know what? I think that as God, as we step into our call, God tests us sometimes. Maybe right now you feel like you're going through a point where you're getting stretched and you feel like it's hard. But can I encourage you that as God repairs that, as God continues to restore you, that he will build you back stronger than you were before and he will enhance your capacity 
So if you're here and you feel like that's you this morning, be encouraged that God will enhance your capacity through your situation. If you're going to endure, you're going to need others. In the scripture that we read, it spoke about the cloud of witnesses. And the cloud of witnesses that, um, that it mentions, it's, it's, whether it's referring, there's a bit of debate about whether it's referring to people kind of, you know, um, of the past cheering us on in the grandstands or whether it's, you know, looking to people in the, um, in the Bible who, um, you know, their, their promises were fulfilled and we can see God's faith all throughout, faithfulness all throughout the Bible. But either way, it is encouraging us. It is encouraging us to say there are people behind you that are cheering you on in this race of faith. And even here, we have so many people here to cheer each other on. You're going to need other people around you. My um, mum was telling me a story the other week. Um, and if there's anything I've learned from my mum's childhood stories, it's that farm life and city life uh, for children are two very different things. Uh, my mum grew up on a farm, and one day they were walking to school, and they saw a wedgetail eagle on the side of the road, as you do. Um, and this wedgetail eagle was um, injured. So instead of leaving it there, they thought, we have a teacher that loves birds. Let's take it to school. So they go, they put a, um, they put a jumper around the eagle, safety first, cover its claws up, and they carry this wedgetail eagle to school that day. Um, now, the teacher does love birds. Their teacher um, had a look and splintered the wing, and then they put it in the shed for a couple of weeks. Um, living on a farm, there were plenty of rabbits, so they just fed it rabbits for a couple of weeks. Um, and then after that, they released it, and it was able to fly again. And as mum was telling me this story, what she was saying was, even when someone is independent and strong, it doesn't mean that something can't happen to them. And sometimes what we're going to need is someone alongside us to pick us up, help support us for a little while until we can take off and we can fly again as we were made to do, as we were destined to do. And I think that's such a good illustration of that. And finally, it gives us the ultimate key. It tells us where to look and where to fix our focus. We're going to have a look. It says in the ESV version, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And in the New Living Translation, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I love it how it says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You see, others can encourage you and that's good and we need that. But there is only one who can strengthen you. When we look at scripture in Isaiah as we go to it on the screens, preferably. <laughs> Isaiah forty thirty one. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And the next one, 2 Corinthians verse 12, <laughs> chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know what? It goes on. There's more scriptures um, that will come up and I'll let you kind of write them down and read them in your own time. But God is a God who strengthens us. He is a good God and he strengthens us. A, uh, another story about my mum, um, she's really featuring today. This one is from when she was a teenager and she was getting on a plane going to Sydney. Um, as this plane went to take off, suddenly it came to a halt 
And next thing that happens is the um, like wait, the air hostess walks down the aisle and says, is someone on this plane supposed to be going to Sydney? <laughs> Mum, who kind of looks around thinking, isn't everyone going to Sydney? Like, I thought that's where this plane was going, puts up her hand and turns out the plane was not going to Sydney. The plane was going to Queensland. Uh, so thankfully they realised before they took off, they took her and she eventually got to Sydney. But we all know that we're going somewhere, Right? You better just check it's where you want to go. <laughs> yeah? We're all going somewhere. We say all the time that where you look and where you fix your focus will set your direction. And it's absolutely true. We need to fix our focus on the one who guides our path. We need to fix our focus on the one who's going to lead us in the right direction and where we're wanting to go. The word look that it used um, in the ESV version, it actually, um, so the original word, it actually refers. Um, to uh, not so much like gazing by or happening to notice in the distance. It's a word that is saying that we are to be, that is aware of rival actions, attractions, and that we deliberately look away from other things. It's saying to firmly and continually look. A word that may even be closer is a word like fixate. Yeah, as I mentioned at the start, I um, work with children, a lot of children um, with ASD or autism diagnosis. And one of the traits of ASD um, (laughs) is this incredible ability to fixate on something, whether it's an object or a topic. For for boys, I can guarantee 99.9% of the time, it is cars, Lego and trains, right? Now, what do we have in our therapy room? Cars, Legos, and trains, right? So if I haven't already hidden these items before they walk into the room, it is guaranteed that they will find them within three seconds of being there because they come in and they're already looking for them. Now, the way that we generally start a session is we have a bit of a chat to the parents and we just get a bit of an update on what's going on and then um, we'll move on to working more with the kid. So you could imagine that when it comes to um, moving from the update into the session and getting the child away from what they're fixated on, that can often be a struggle. You see, you'll call their name and it's as if you don't exist. You can go and tap their shoulder. You still don't exist. You can get their hand and pull them away from it. They'll return. (laughs) So you usually have to physically remove the item to be able to get their attention. And even still, they'll be saying, when can we play with the cars? When can we play with the Lego? When can we play with the trains? Can we play with the Lego now? Can we play with the trains now? They are fixated on this thing because they love it so much. Imagine if we had this approach to God. Imagine if we had this approach where if something calls our name, we don't even, rec- we don't even see it. If, if, someone, if something else is tapping us on the shoulder and trying to distract us, we don't even, it doesn't even register. If something tries to pull us away, we go running straight back to it. And when we can't see it, we're wondering where it's gone. Imagine if we had this approach to fixating our eyes on Jesus. If your eyes aren't on Jesus, then it means that your purpose is aside from him. So if your purpose is anywhere else from Jesus, then it means that you can't really be running in the race. And if you're not running in the race, then you can't win it, right? It makes sense to us that we can't win something that we're not in. We need to fix our eyes and our purpose in Jesus. Because can I tell you, whether you would call yourself a Christian here today or not, God has a purpose for you and he has a promise for you. He has a purpose for you and a promise on your life. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we see that potential step into the promise that he has for us. You see, we have the right to rest in victory and not in defeat. 
He hasn't failed before and nor will he fail you now. There are people all over this room that would have stories of God's faithfulness and times that he has been faithful to his promise and his word in your lives. You know, we can look to the example of Abraham who endured through keeping his eyes on God's promise, to Moses who endured by keeping his eyes on God, to David who endured by keeping his eyes on God and his goodness and his love. And as this scripture tells us, to keeping our eyes on Jesus, to keeping our eyes on Christ's example. It says, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter, or perfecto of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Does anyone else read that and see he endured the cross, but he did it with joy? Like, what? <laughs> Joy? Seriously? Like, the, the cross was something that was designed to be shameful and painful, and it was a slow and painful death. But yet he endured it with joy. This says to me that Jesus must have known something about, about enduring that we may not always hold on to as closely as we should. You see, I think Jesus could see us now worshipping him in the freedom that he bought for us. I think that Jesus can see the joy in the relationships that he can now have with the, with the creation that he created. I think that he knew that the victory to come was so much greater than his current circumstance. He knew that he had the victory. He knew that. So he could endure the painful times, the tough times, with a joy that he knew that it was okay because his circumstance did not define the outcome. His work is complete, he's victorious, and his work is effective. He had the strength to endure because he had the promise of a future reward and a future joy. His future victory trumped his current circumstance. And if we're, we're going to have a little look at some more scriptures about how our God is victorious. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 to 58, The sting of death and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And the next one, John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 John, verse, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He is victorious. You were made to finish this race. You were actually born to finish this race. And when you encounter opposition, can I encourage you that the enemy sees you as a threat because he knows that in God's strength, you can't lose. Don't give up in a race that you were actually born to win. The purpose of the letter to the Jewish Christians at the time was to get them to get their eyes off themselves, to encourage them not to focus on their circumstance and the trouble, and not to focus on their own strength, but to rest in, God, in Christ's strength. We are called to do the same thing. We're called not to look to ourselves not to look to our circumstances, but to look to the strength that is in Christ and to his victory. You see, God exchanges that. He exchanges our weakness for his strength. 
and for his rest. We're to find our rest in him, in his word, in prayer, around other people and encouraging people in that. See, as I said, the middle part seems to be the hardest part of the race, right? It's the part where you don't have anything at the end to encourage you to keep running. It's the part where you're not feeling so fresh from the start and you just have to keep going. But when we rest in him, we learn how to do that. If we endure as we're called to, we can say, as Timothy said in 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Can I encourage you that when things get hard, choose to lay aside every weight, choose to run with endurance and keep and commit yourself to the learning and choose to keep your eyes on Jesus, resting in his victory as you run the race that was set before you. And as the band comes up, I'm going to get everybody to stand. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.